0: Welcome to the CMC Podcast, where our mission is to inspire you to be a doer of the Word. Today's message is brought to you by our associate pastor, Paul Kern. Well, my name is Pastor Paul, and I am so glad that you're here today. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to welcome you to Christian Ministries and those of you who join us on live stream. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at a very familiar story. We've heard this story many, many times. You've heard it probably in kids' church and youth group, and certainly it's been preached from this pulpit on more than one occasion. Uh, but there is some uh, really great truth that we can draw out of this as we look at this today. First Samuel chapter 17, we all know the story of David and Goliath. The Philistines were gathered their forces in war against them. And uh, verse 2, it says, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah. They drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied the hill and, and uh, the Israelites on the other side with a valley in between them. And a champion named Goliath, who was from Goth, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor. Uh, And bronze weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs, he had bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back, his spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, his shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Saul. Choose a man, have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let's fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Well, David... Asked the men standing near him what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes the disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defiled the armies of the living God. Now I'm not going to go into the rest of the story because we know what happened. David was given a great victory that day. It put him on the map. Goliath was overcome, and the army of Israel had a great win that day. But, you know, the Philistines made life very difficult for the Israelites and the army of Israel. Goliath, this giant, would come out. He would intimidate them day after day. He would mock them. He would make comments about uh, Jehovah God and 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 rile against them so here's David he's sent down from his father from tending the sheep to come and bring some bread and cheese and to his brothers and Goliath comes out and he's taunting and David sees this and David makes the comment who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God and I just see here in David's mind saying to himself they've got a dead God We've got a living God. Who is this guy to come and defy the armies of the living God? And so we understand that Saul and the army of Israel acted like we had a dead God. Now they were dressed apart. They had their swords. They had their spears. They had their armor. They were were warriors as they appeared to be. But in their heart, they were not warriors. You know, David is a type and shadow for a New Testament believer. We are called to be kingdom warriors. Can I have an amen? We're called to be giant killers in life. And and David really encapsulates what that ought to look like as we are children God now like I said the rest of the men of the armies of Israel they were warriors They looked the part, but they didn't walk the part and we've got to be really careful That as followers of Christ, you know, we pray we come to church. We read our Bibles We look the part But the question is when you're faced with the giants of life Do you live the part? Do you have a warrior mentality inside you? Are you a kingdom warrior? Are you a giant killer? You know, the fact is we all face giants, right? We face spiritual giants. You know, the scripture says that our fight is not with people, but it's with spiritual forces. It's with demonic beings in heavenly realms, dark forces in heavenly places. We have a spiritual battle there's times that we all come under heavy temptation or unrealistic fears or worry. It just doesn't even make sense. There's no reason that we should be that upset, but, but we're walking in that. We're, you know, the enemy's coming against us. We see that's a, a spiritual battle. Times of overwhelming fear, overwhelming anxiety, overwhelming stress and doubt. We all face giants of sickness. We know people right now who are facing cancer. And diseases. These are giants that the enemy sends against God's kids. But we are teaching this year about the kingdom of God. We're going through the parables and we're making sure that our church understands our position. We're making sure that our church understands our identity in Christ because we are called to be kingdom warriors and giant killers. Can I have an amen? Now, I want to take a few minutes together and and just give you some helpful insight on some important things that we need to have in place for us to walk in the victories that God has for us in life. I want to actually talk about marks of a kingdom warrior, marks of a giant killer. So for those of you that are taking notes, the first mark that I want to talk about is consecration. The Bible says that David was a man who was called after God's own heart I love this consecration consecration it's not really a term that we use a lot anymore or consecrated but that term actually means set apart you know the scripture says we're in the world but we're not what we're not of it we're in the world but we're not of it we're called to be salt and we're called to be light Light dispels the darkness. Salt is a preservative. Salt causes things to uh, not rot and decay. And that's what we're called to be in the world. We're set apart. Now David wasn't a perfect person, but David was a committed man to God. And if you're gonna be a giant killer, you're gonna have to have some personal consecration in your life and in your heart. I like what it says, and I just want you to hear David's prayer in Psalms 23. Listen to this. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not just anybody's shepherd. No, no, no. The Lord is what? He's my shepherd. He leads me besides the still waters. He causes me to lay down in green pastures. See, in Psalms 23, we see that David was consecrated. And if you're going to overcome the giants in life, you're going to have to make consecration a priority in your life. So you can't be consecrated and powerful and live in compromise. It's just not going to happen. Boy, I love our lead pastor's sermon last Sunday. And even Josh, this past Wednesday, just some really good stuff that they're giving us. But, you know, lying to people, being dishonest, living sexually impure, not submitting yourself to God, not paying people what you owe them. So you can't live a powerful life when you're not consecrated unto God. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, verse 7 listen to this, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He'll flee. Now, the key here is submit yourselves therefore to God. See, the first step of being a giant killer, being a kingdom warrior, if we're going to overcome our enemy, we're going to have to submit ourselves to God. Such an important thing in our lives. You know, consecration looks like submission. Submission looks like obedience. You know, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ when I was 23 years old and I was here in this ministry, you know, I was one of the young adults like sitting over here in this section and I was just starting out with Jesus and, you know, I'm so glad that I had some mentors in my life that really put an emphasis on submission and obedience to God as I was starting out. You know, not so much in in a way that's legalistic. You know, you got to do this and you better do that. Don't do this and don't go here and don't do that. It wasn't that. You know, it was more for me, it was in my heart. I wanted to have a consecrated life to God. I wanted to live submitted. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do. And it's so amazing now as I look back after all these years, how empowering that was for me in my life. Now, I'm not saying that I always got it right. And there were times that I stumbled and I made bad decisions and I wasn't consecrated to God. And I can certainly recognize how weak I was in those moments when I faced my giants. But when I was consecrated, When I was submitted, when I was walking in obedience, God empowered me to live the life. See, when we live pure, when we live right, when we live obedient, we're empowered to face the giants that come against us in life. Consecrating yourself to God makes you strong when the giants of life come against you. Can I have an amen? The second mark of a kingdom warrior is confession. Everybody say that with me, confession say it again, confession. You know, David was a giant killer, but like I said, he wasn't a perfect man. No, far from it. David made mistakes. As a matter of fact, David made some pretty awful mistakes. I mean, life-altering mistakes that that probably affected David for the rest of his life. You know, I think back on my own life in some wrong decisions that I made that still to this day, even though I'm way older in life and I'm walking with the Lord for many, many years, there's some mistakes that I can look at that I wish I never had have made. <clears throat> I wish decisions that I never had have entertained in my life. And we see this with David. He committed adultery. He had one of his best men killed all because he wanted to be with his wife. I mean, a horrible thing that David did but, you know, the one thing that David had going for him was he, a, he was a man that confessed his sin. You know, David, when it was brought before him and he was called out on what he did, David didn't plead innocent. He pled guilty. He didn't make excuses for what he did. He didn't say, well, it was you know, her fault. He didn't say, well, you know, it was my parents' fault because of their divorce. No, it was my boss's fault. It was my friend's fault. It was culture's fault. There was reasons that I did what I did. You just have to understand I've got weaknesses. I'm a person. I'm a man. Everybody makes mistakes. No, David didn't use any of those excuses. Here's what David did. He said, God, I confess my sins. God, I am sorry for what I've done see David had that going for him when he was confronted about his sin David didn't lie he didn't cast blame he didn't point his finger at anybody else he confessed turn with me to Psalms 51 I want to point out a prayer that David prayed that really exemplifies his heart attitude at this time in his life It's not a matter of if you make a mistake, it's a matter of when. And I'm not speaking anything negative over anyone. I'm certainly not trying to prophesy any doom over your life. No, I'm believing that we're all gonna walk in victory. But the fact of the matter is, we all miss the mark from time to time. We all trip up, we all make mistakes. But I think what is so important is, how do we respond to the mistakes that we make? How do we react to situations when we blow it? Well, in Psalms 51, I want want us to read David's prayer and just listen to his heart posture. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb and you taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter in snow let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity now listen to this verse 10 create in me a clean pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, many people today, when they get caught in a sin, they're upset, they're bothered, but lots of times they're bothered because they got caught. They're not really bothered because they know that they did wrong. They know they hurt the heart of God. They know they hurt other people. No, they're upset because they got caught. It all got brought out into the light. Like the scripture says, it always will. But I want you to notice what David did. David confessed his sin. See, when we lie, if we don't confess our shortcomings, then God can't empower us. See, it's that it's that place of confession that God can empower our lives so that we can live powerful lives. And I just want to encourage our church, don't even thinking about, don't even think about facing a giant with unconfessed sin in your life. You're probably going to be defeated. It's very important that you live a life of confession. You know the sad thing is, and I've met people like this, some people are just too prideful to even admit they're wrong. You know, there's just something refreshing about somebody making a mistake, and then they say, man, I'm sorry, I blew it, I missed the mark. You know, if you're a married couple, it's a very important thing to be able to do, to admit to your spouse, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I blew it. I think about my boys when they were growing up, and did a lot of things with them, we would play and go on trips and have fun, and I would get them stuff, and You know, I I remember one Christmas, you know, I I really saved for a very long time and bought them four-wheelers for a Christmas present. Oh, man, it was like the best gift in the whole world. They loved it. It was awesome. They had lots of great memories growing up. But, you know, the most impactful moments in the lives of my boys was when Dad missed it and he said, I'm sorry. I missed it. I blew it. I shouldn't have done that. I should not have said that. I should have handled it differently. I'll tell you, that caused me to be elevated in their mind to a whole nother level. Dad is someone who can admit that he made a mistake. I think that's so important. So you can't be too stubborn to say, I'm sorry. In 1 John chapter 1 Verse 8 through 10, the scripture says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It's not in us. But verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all impurity, all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. See, a kingdom warrior is quick to repent. A giant killer recognizes the source of his power, of her power, lies in their ability to get down on their knees, to apologize, to ask God for forgiveness, to ask other people for forgiveness. Listen, it's so important to be quick to repent. Quick to repent. It's clear from the teachings and the lifestyle of Jesus But you don't go around living in all kinds of unconfessed sin and pretend to be a Christian. No, no, no. Confession is vital. It's vital. But David did more than just confess his sins. David confessed his victory. Boy, I think about David when he came out and he faced Goliath. You know, all of Israel, I'm sure the conversation was, Man, this guy, he's too big to hit. Don't hit him. Don't get him upset. He's too big to hit. But see what David said, he's too big to miss. He made his confession in a line with what God said about him. And it's so important as a giant killer, as a kingdom warrior, that when we face things in life, We face difficulties, we face hardships, we face sickness, disease, a death, a tragedy, a difficulty, whatever it may be, that we don't use our words to describe the situation, but we use God's words to change the situation. So important what comes out of your mouth. See, your confession and what you say over what you're facing is vital to your victory. It's so important that the words come out of our mouth line up with what God says about us. The third mark of a giant killer is courage. Go to Joshua chapter 1 with me. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua, I'll set a little backdrop here. Moses was his mentor in the Lord. He was a great leader for him. Joshua had been under his leadership. But Moses has died. His friend, his mentor, his companion, he has now died and now Joshua is left in charge of a lot of people. A huge responsibility has been laid upon his shoulders. It's his responsibility to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And he knows the spies have already gone and spied out the land. They brought back the report. He's aware that there's giants in the land. He knows that there's things there that they're going to have to face. And so here's what the Lord says to him in verse 6 of Joshua 1. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and what? Very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that your way may be successful. Verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you. Where? Where? Wherever, wherever you go. See, a kingdom warrior has to walk in courage. It takes a lot of courage to do what God's called us to do. Well, I'll tell you, if you're a parent in here today, it takes a lot of courage to raise your children. It takes a lot of courage to raise up the next generation. Now, you know, I've often heard it said, you may be trembling on the outside, but you're standing tall on the inside, because you know your position in the Lord. I've always heard it said, and I've always been told, crybabies don't impress God. Crybabies don't impress God. I remember my boys, when they were young, and they were growing up, and they'd get into situations, and, you know, they'd start shedding some tears, and, you know, mom, Angela, she would be the one that would hug, and love, and band-aid, and It's going to be okay, and I'd be the one that would say, suck it up, boy. Life's tough. You're going to have to get tough. Men are tough. Men can face hard things. God's made you tough. There's not anything that you can't overcome in life. God has given you everything that you need in life to be a winner. You're a victorious person in life. See, this is the kind of conversations that we have to have with ourselves. This is what we have to have with ourselves. The Bible says God's love drives out all fear. All fear. Now, I don't know what you're facing today. All of us are facing different things. Some of you are facing some really hard things, things that we know nothing about, but you know about them. But here's what I want you to know God is with you wherever your feet may go. Be strong. And be courageous. Only be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, I think what keeps people from defeating giants in life is fear. Fear will lock you up. Fear will keep you from stepping out in faith, fear will keep you from fulfilling a dream, fear will keep you from speaking the truth. Fear will keep you from believing God for something that you've been believing God for. See, fear is an enemy of the believer. But God's great love drives out all fear. I love what Psalms 27 says. Listen to this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom, help me preach, shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked advance against me to devour me? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Man, I love reading those words from David because David didn't read this in a book. No, David lived this. David was speaking from experience. You know, there was one time David and his men, they'd been out fighting and had a, a great victory. Men were tired. They were weary. They'd been fighting for a very long time. When they got back to Ziglag, where their wives and their children were, they discovered that Ziglag had been attacked. Everything was torn down. All their homes had been burned their wives and their children had been kidnapped and taken prisoner. Oh man, it was an overwhelming thing for David and his men. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that they cried so much that they couldn't cry any more tears. It was impossible. They were mourning the loss so terrible. Just had a great victory and then come back only to find out this terrible thing had happened. Well, as time went by, the men began to turn on David, their leader. They began to blame David for what happened in Ziglag. And the scripture says that one night when the stars were all out, David, he pulled himself out here away from all of his men. He got out here alone with God underneath the stars. And it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Because there wasn't anybody else encouraging David. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And the reason that David was able to do that is because David had deep roots with God. David was connected with the Lord. See, when you are discouraged as as a warrior, as you get discouraged in the fight that you are fighting, what you do is you encourage. See, encouragement... Is the exact opposite of discouragement and I can just imagine what David did out under that starry sky I'm sure he reminded himself of the lion that he defeated and the bear that he overcame and Goliath that he took out and all of the other moments in his life where God gave him the victory Well, after David encouraged himself in the Lord, his attitude changed. His tears dried up. Courage came into his heart. He went to his men and he said, men, listen, we're going to go get back our wives and our children. The enemy took them, but we're not going to let the enemy have them. And David and his men, they went as fast as they could, and they tracked down the enemy that took their women and their children, and they overwhelmed them and defeated them and got all of their wives and all of their children back. Not a hair on their head had been touched, and God gave them a great victory that day. See, God restored to them what the enemy stole, but it took courage for that to happen. See, there's going to be things in life that you're going to face, very difficult things. A fearful future, you may be under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, you may be facing sickness. I don't know what it is that you're facing, but here's what I know. God has the ability to turn things around. And if God doesn't turn it around, God has the ability to give you the strength to face the giant that you're facing. See, our job is to encourage ourselves in the Lord and to walk in the courage That God has given us. It takes courage to stand when you're short on money and pay your bills. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes courage when your kids aren't living for the Lord and you're praying for them to get their lives turned around. It takes courage when you work in a situation where you work with a lot of unsafe people and you have to stand up and live your life in such a way that you represent Christ in a way that clearly shows that you're a Christian Let me remind you like David did. Remind yourself that God is with you just like God did David and just like God did Joshua. The marks of a kingdom warrior, consecration, confession, courage. And the last one is covenant-minded. Covenant-minded. I want to talk about this just a little bit. Turn to Hebrews chapter 8 with me. Hebrews chapter 8, David knew that he was in covenant with Almighty God. But in Hebrews chapter 8, we're shown that we are under a different covenant than what David was under. Even though David was a man after God's own heart, David is a a type and a shadow of a kingdom warrior. David was under a different covenant. He was under the old covenant covenant. He was under a covenant of the blood of of bulls and goats. But see what it says here in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. Listen, the giants of life can be fearful. But when you know that you're in covenant with Almighty God, just like David faced Goliath, you can face the giants that come against you. See, it's so important that we understand our covenant position in Christ. See, Jesus is the mediator. He is the door. He is the one that has given us access to the same covenant promises that belong to him. He's the big brother amen? He's given us access to the Father's heart. Jesus has given us access to God's promises, and all of the things that belong to Christ, guess what? They belong to us. But we have to activate those things in our life. We have to walk in those things in our life. See, David knew that that giant was not in covenant with God. Now, Understand, the fact that David was in covenant with God, it didn't make the giant disappear. It didn't make Goliath turn around and go the opposite direction. It didn't stop the giant from taunting him or yelling at him. It didn't cause his enemies to melt away. No, the giant was still there. The difference is, is what was going on inside of David. See, instead of fear, like the armies of Israel were dealing with, instead of doubt, instead of allowing that stress and that anxiety and that discouragement to overwhelm them. No, 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 no. David was in covenant with God. His thoughts were different. His mind was in a different place as he faced the giants. Now, the armies were still there. The giant was still there. The only difference is is that, that David understood his covenant position with God, and that gave him the ability to stand up and face the giants that came against him. See, David understood his covenant position with the Lord, and because he knew that, he was able to stand immovable against the things that came against him in life. What is it that you're facing today? Something with your child, something with work, a dream that you're believing God for, an overwhelming obstacle, seemingly overwhelming that you're facing in your life, some disease, some, some sickness in your life that continues to come against you. Listen, that thing is not in covenant with Almighty God. You are. You are, and God has called us to be kingdom warriors and giant killers. I want to encourage our church this year, as we're talking about the kingdom of God, that we begin to understand who we are in Christ. I don't want to be like Saul in the armies of Israel. You know, one of the things that God told Saul that he had against him, he had the prophet Samuel come to him, and Samuel was very grieved over this. But Saul had missed the opportunity to lead. He missed the opportunity to be the kind of king that God wanted him to be. And Samuel made this comment to Saul. He said, because you think so little of yourself, you will be stripped of your kingdom today. Now think about that for a minute. Because you think so little of yourself, It's so important for us that we identify with who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? See, Saul did not see himself as a kingdom warrior. Saul did not see himself as the giant killer that God clearly wanted him to be. No, he thought too little of himself. And boy, I want to encourage you today. Don't let the devil... Make your ear some garbage can for him to dump a bunch of lies into and tell you things about yourself that are not true. No, you, you tune in to the Father's voice. You let all those other voices in your life, voices of failure, voices of defeat, voices of discouragement, you got to let all those voices be put aside and you tune your spirit in, you tune your ears in to what God says about you. Listen, I don't care what your relatives say about you. It doesn't matter what your relatives say about you. It doesn't matter what anybody says about you. The only thing that matters is what God says about you. And that's what you've got to tune your ear into. This year, we're talking about the kingdom. And we're going to be kingdom warriors, and we're going to be giant killers. We're going to face the things that come against us in life with courage. Consecrate your heart. Confess your sins and your shortcomings. Live courageously and know that you are in covenant with God, and I promise you, when the giants come, and they will, but when they come, you will walk in the victory that God has for you. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand with me this morning. Let's give God a hand clap. Come on. Let's give him a hand clap. He's worthy. Father, we praise you today. We worship you. God, we ask that you go before us this week. We pray for divine appointments. God, help us to identify with being a giant killer and a kingdom warrior. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen and amen. God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.